my guy Link. Before, uh, so Link is the founder of a thing called Network. Network is indescribable by an idiot like me, but I'm going to try. But before I get to it, I want you to just give us a little intro of who you are, what your background is, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for uh, you know, organizing this event and for coming. It's a really cool space. Uh, I was telling him it looks a little bit like the Apple store, you know, right. without the tech. Um, and like, Nathan, thanks yeah. for helping to organize this as well. Um, and all the people like filming or setting this up. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I mean, um, don't, I was, that's yeah. fine, brother. It's good, man. Basically, I was uh, born in Germany. Um, I got into like um, video games at a young age. I was interested in, about films and I played some tournaments like Magic the Gathering and um, I played like World of Warcraft like for some time. Um, and then, sort of like, I moved to the US by myself and that was like my metaverse. Um, because I had never been here and never spoken the language. And um, as an immigrant, it's kind of like home games where you come here and like, um, it's kind of like difficult to stay um, just after high school. Okay. So yeah, I did Abitur, which is in Germany. That's like equivalent to high school. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as I was in Germany preparing for this, I got very interested in the stock market. And, you know, New York City has all this historical center of Wall Street. Right. Um, and so I worked there for a while. Um, I'll try to like speed up so we can talk about it. Don't take things. your time, brother. We got pretty good drinks. We're good. And um, yeah, then I went to graduate. I mean, I went to school in, in New York and in, in London. Uh, I did like two degrees. You, you, you went to Harvard. That was for grad school. Yeah. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> um, so then, I mean, it's kind of like this journey of like my visa expires, and then you know, how can I stay here? Um, and you know, after like Harvard and graduate school, I moved to like um, Silicon Valley. I helped some startups, and then from there, I got slowly into crypto. Uh, and I did that for a while, and then uh, a good friend got into like longevity, which is like anti-aging and how you can mm -hmm. live uh, longer. So I explored that, and I studied like brain-computer interfaces. And because I had done lucid dreaming as a kid, I sort of like uh, got interested again into dreams, and I began exploring that, and sort of combining all these different things into like what I call virtual dreams. Um, yeah. So I mean, I can yeah, about you just more. said you just said about seventeen hours worth of podcasting material, but I'm gonna glaze over it to get to the main point tonight. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I mean, between Harvard and Lucid Dreams and all the things you said, it's really interesting. But when I I do a little bit of research on everybody I try to interview, and he sent me his white paper for network. I never did this before, but I have to do it because, I mean, I feel stupid reading Sports Illustrated. I felt like a caveman after this, but it's really, really interesting and important regarding what we're talking about you know, in history right now. So check this out. This is the first page of his white paper. You ready? Bear with me. A decentralized brain computer network would allow anyone in the world to participate in exploring the frontier of the brain while creating a strong forcing function to accelerate the number of neurons we can currently interface with. A network of peer-to-peer -peer brain computers would empower individuals to own the data that would flow between brains and computers by creating a network of open, permissionless protocols for brain computers, a diverse set of stakeholders will govern and guide its future. Virtual dreams, as a novel medium, could become an alternative reality to explore the nature of reality and accelerate progress in the mind sciences. Other brain computer applications could be developed as tools for individuals to heal and liberate themselves and others. That's the first of 25 pages 
that's brains and computers working in conjunction. Am I right? That's like that's like divergence. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Let's go back to work. Um, how, how, how do you explain that to, to people like me? Like that? That's brains and computers working together. Well, I think to understand this is to sort of like um, ask ourselves like what other frontiers are out there, and you know, uh, Elon Musk is like uh, going to Mars uh, to sort of create um, you know multiplanetary species, and um, I think like sort of the journey inward has been forgotten for a long time because the West has been so preoccupied with like discovering sort of the material world, and you know, there's been a lot of progress, uh, but now you know as we have technologies uh, with brain-computer interfaces and neural interfaces. Um, you know, I think there's sort of like the beginning of um, a journey sort of that's more inward and, you know, the metaverse is one word to describe that. Um, how, does, how does it work logistically? What does that mean, brain-computer interface? How would, how would it, I sit down and, and we, what, what's the prototype? How, does, how do we so, yeah, I mean, bridge the gap? Billionaires, like, so when I started this, I didn't want to compete with Elon Musk, you know, he, he's building uh, Neuralink and other billionaires in the US government are developing different prototypes. Uh, essentially, what a, a neural interface is, is some technology to connect the brain and the computer uh, to be able to sort of interface with more neurons, to be able to like understand what's going on in the brain, and to really sort of like uh, create a forcing function so we can manipulate neurons and um, you know diff build different applications to help people. Um, initially, it would be for people who have like motor function disabilities, so we can restore sight, we can restore right. all these kind of things. Um, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, and it's like like the metaverse. I mean, it's 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 not like a company; it's like an industry. I mean, it's basically a lot of people already working on that. Um, yeah. So, 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 <laughs> I have nineteen thousand questions, but you're sitting. When does it come to you that I could do this, and why? And, and obviously it's decentralized, that's why you're here. And you're thinking about putting it on a chain. Did we get to that point yet where you're, where you're is there a functioning model yet? Or is it, is it a theory? I know you've been working on this for about a year and a half now, right? Yeah, a little bit longer actually, but um, I mean, so I started working on this, um, you know, after meditating a lot and like thinking about dreams and really this curiosity around lucid dreaming. Um, for those people who don't know what lucid dreaming is, uh, it's when you go to sleep, and you have consciousness that you're dreaming while you're dreaming, and you can experience a dream like waking reality. Uh, it's pretty amazing that that exists. Uh, and in the 70s, that was sort of established as a science and you know, in the West, Western world. And if you go back to like Tibetan Buddhism, it's, it's something you know, known as dream yoga, which is very old. Um, and it's really like this idea of like, you know, film, and film didn't always exist. So dreams could become a technology medium in the future where we can use those neural interfaces to sort of like experience an alternative reality um, and really use that to heal ourselves, use that to like, you know, break infinite loops and really be, sort of build a new sense of self and like, you know, be able to like live with more freedom. Um, and, and it can help people that are injured, have brain injuries, paraplegics, people that don't have the ability for the neurons to connect anymore. You could bridge yeah. the gap essentially. Yeah, I'm not the expert on that, but like, you know, there could be other people building, you know, different guides yeah. or algorithms to help people face certain fears or process trauma. Um, right. I mean, there's a lot of different applications that... Right, know, I didn't even think, consider that. Like, yeah. There's a lot of trauma, there's a lot of... Every, well, yes, I mean, I think a huge societal problem is that we're all stuck in loops on multiple levels and that govern our reality in limiting ways. And I think we need to build technology that can actually help us to heal ourselves. I mean, people are very concerned about the pandemic, but 
you know, think about how many people like, you know, you know, died because of mental health like problems and you know, right. nobody really talks about this and it's a big problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we're very concerned about physical fitness, but despite all this progress that we've made in the world, like mentally speaking, we could be way more advanced. Uh, we could have way better tools. Um, yeah. And I think the computer revolution or the personal computer revolution has enabled us to acquire more tools and get more things. But I think with brain computers, we're sort of like standing at a you know, beginning of being able to create tools that would allow us you know, to literally become more free. And I think that's very important because otherwise it really doesn't matter how much you have um, and it doesn't really matter like, it doesn't. if you're not really internally yeah. free. And like, a lot of people are discounting that, like living in the present and being mindful, but that's it. Like, you know, life is to be lived in the present moment and there's nothing better than being free from these mental loops so you can actually enjoy what you already have and you can be more authentic and more genuine um, and mental loops yeah. you know it's interesting because when I read that paragraph I'm thinking to myself like this is like you can interpret this as being scary but it, but what I'm hearing is you're actually your concept is to utilize it to bring us back to being more human because the instinct is to say well brain computer means that it's technology and it's Brains and, and computers are dangerous. Because I'm thinking the first thing that everybody would think is AI. You're going to control my brain. Can you hack my brain? Like, how, how crazy are we going to get? But it's almost like technology and the human brain are moving at different paces. I don't think we were meant to absorb this much information. And I, when you say loop, it resonates with me because I see a lot of us in a loop. We're in a loop because it's comfortable. Like, how much of this can we really absorb? How much of it? So you're, you, you're telling me you want to utilize it to free the mind and explore the possibilities. Yeah, and then, and then you know, what the abstract of the white paper talks about is really sort of like, okay, if we have, you know, different um, brain-computer interfaces, um, how do we envision that future? We probably want to make sure that it's sort of based on crypto-economic uh, paradigm where if, you know, whatever comes out of this is sort of happening in a way that's open and permissionless, so then if you go into a dream in the future, you know that nobody else can go into your dream and sell it all. Or whatever else could happen. Your dream becomes an NFT, is that what you're saying? I mean, if you Don't want to... Don't put me in that loop. If you want to... Put me yeah. in that loop. I mean, if you want to share it, it's fine. But I think we need to have this right. basic foundation. Wait a minute. You said if you want to share it, that's fine. So you're saying you could record dreams, essentially, in the future? That we, you, you see a future <laughs> where... You do. That smile is crazy, man. Well, <laughs> in a good way. So you see a future where my dream can be recorded and saved as a loop, as, a, as its own thing on the blockchain? At some point, I mean, there's a Japanese research team that actually showed that you can record dreams. So, I mean, there's already some like evidence to it. Um, Is that right? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot to, it's a lot to right. um, I mean, all these things will take a long time, but I think the other part to it is like, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, neuroscientists care a lot about ethics. Uh, and the question is like, how can we afford ethics right. if, the, if sort of like the power is concentrated within private BCI startups? Um, you know, and people are going to be too tempted to like subscribe to any of this technology once it's available. So we need to basically build the network now. So then basically as we have this future, it's owned by all of us, you know, and it's like not like up to like a few people to decide how that future is. Because it's not like crypto is also not just about, you know, building better tools and, you know, making money, whatever. It's about having actually a new world with new principles. Um, and I think it's very important, you know, when we think about this sort of brain computer world. To yeah, do that. I mean, it's a completely new concept of a metaverse. Because if, if, you're, if, if we get to the point where everybody has this capability and it's available to everybody, 
Yeah, we actually need to go beyond the metaverse. We need to go beyond the beyond because it's not enough to just go into alternative reality. We need to actually come back to reality, kind of like Lord of the Rings, uh, and really sort of like defeat the loop and you know come back with more freedom. Um, what do you because, when you say the loop? I know what I think of it. What do you think the loop is? Like you, you take pick somebody out of the crowd and you think, look at this person. You say, what loop do I think that person? Not anybody specific. I'm just saying, like if you pick somebody out of a crowd and you say this person's walking to work. What, Nobody's really cognizant of the loop. Yeah, I mean, I can't perform Inception on people yet. So. No, no, I know, but like, if, but but people have loops. I think that, that I think that resonates resonated with me because yeah, I have yeah. a certain routine and a habit and a thing that I do. Right. And then sometimes other nights I do things that I shouldn't be doing, but that's out of the loop. But the the truth is, is that when you say the loop, get people out of the loop. That's like next level. That's like that's like expanding the human existence consciousness almost. Is that right? Yeah. Or am I, mean, I just trying to sound smart? Yeah, it could be, but I think basically it's just like, I mean, um, we wake up and we sort of like um, have all these kind of like um, assumptions about what reality is and we have all these filters, right. how we perceive reality, um, and we're not really in the present, and it's because certain loops that we run that we don't even question that govern our reality, um, and it's really just sort of like different for everybody else, but I think loop is just like a good sort of like mental uh, model to understand yeah, this comfort zone as a problem because i think right. it comes down to problems you know what is a problem um sure it's cool to go into alternative reality and the metaverse you know um but really what's important is how can we solve problems and like mental loop is like this big problem um because mental health sometimes is this word that people don't want to talk about yeah but i think loops is something that everyone can resonate with right, right, and right. everyone has certain loops and as a society we have loops um you know, as groups of people, we have certain loops. So it's like everyone can also agree that they want to break those loops so they can have more freedom and they can enjoy more of what they already have. Exactly. Um, yeah, you mentioned so, mental health a lot. Yes. It resonates with you. Is there a reason why? Uh, yeah. It's okay. Well, you're talking to a psychotic maniac. Yeah, right. It's okay, bro. You're, you're in good company if there's anything you want to share about you, your family. Just because I think all of us know are either in, in the throes of dealing with our own stuff or have family members. And and it shouldn't be something we don't talk about. It's, it's ignored. I always liken it to when somebody breaks their arm, you feel bad for them because you could see a broken arm. You can't see a broken brain. You know, you can't see the pain and, and the struggle that somebody's going through. So we say mental health, especially people from my generation, it has this like negative connotation, but it shouldn't. It should be as important, maybe more than physical uh, damage. So hearing you say that a lot makes me feel like you're passionate about it. Yeah, passion. <laughs> um, passion and not right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, growing up, I had a lot of like sort of like depressive, like bipolar, like loops that you know I had to sort of like learn to like um, sort of get out of, and like it took me a very long time, and it's a very difficult problem. Um, and it's you know, not easy. It's probably also <laughs> then I you know moved to the United States. I mean, you know, I didn't know anybody and. You know, I played some World of Warcraft, and the next thing I was in New York City, and like it felt like virtual reality. Um, and from that point on, that journey started, um, and I carried these problems for a long time. And um, yeah, I yeah, mean, like, let me tell you something. I mean, you're in a room full of very smart people, and I would imagine, I would, I would venture to say that most of the people in this room understand exactly what you just said, because it's it's a gift and a curse. The same brain that you were dealing with growing up and had those issues is the same brain that went to Harvard and created this insanely brilliant white paper. So it's a yeah. battle, right? It's a but it's about making it happen and sometimes being right. too vulnerable than people think. Um, 
you know, you can't do this. And like, but ultimately, you know, now I solved the problem. It was like a very long journey, but um, yeah, your mind is very, um, you know, you can imagine anything. Um, and yeah, it's, it's insane what the mind is capable of doing. And, um, it's, 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 and, and the technology and the stuff that's happening in crypto right now. It's what I always talk about. I talked about with multi-chain Mike on the podcast last week was that I don't care that all-time highs are off and there's this whatever. It means nothing to me. What I'm seeing now is the idea that technology is enabling things that never could have been possible. So come and see us in five years and talk to me about what price things are. People who are worried about prices don't really understand the implications yeah, of that's a good point. Yeah. this, right? So how, so, how, so how does the blockchain and how does crypto figure into what you're doing? I mean, I guess what I'm doing is not really about crypto, um, but because I was in crypto early in a very long time, I'm just like using a lot of these tools as a way to like, you know, bootstrap and, um, you know, mobilize people and uh, make sure that it's open and permissionless. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, um, like you said, you know, crypto economics can enable us to like build new use cases and imagine like different things. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. because. What I'm doing doesn't work just as a company, you know? And then people will tell me, why are you trying to control people's dreams? No, and that's not it. It's like, the goal is really just to build a network uh, and a protocol that can then govern this. Uh, that's and, right. You know, and then we can all collectively do this. And, you know, I haven't even sold the token to investors. I, I've been trying to be very principled about doing this in the right way, which is very difficult and legal uncertainty. I mean, a lot of people are just like, not doing that. Um, and yeah, Freedom. I think- you have yeah. the freedom now. But ultimately, yeah, like I said, I mean, right. you know, if you take something like mental health or take something like depression, um, you know, what do we have? We have um, things that don't really solve the problem. We have things that sort of attack, sort of help you to alleviate the right. problem. Like, right. you, know, you feel better temporarily, like right. they, they attack the symptom, you know? Right. And the whole pharma industry is not really like, actually like solving and incentivized to solve the problem, you know? And then you have something like psychedelics, which is, you know, a little bit better, but it's not really accessible and like, it's not that safe, you know? So then imagine something like lucid dreaming and you have programmable psychedelics and you know you have something that's much safer because you can connect to your neural interface and you can actually go into an experience and you can face those fears and process, you know, whatever it is. And most likely if you're in a point in, in your life where you're really down, where you may not trust anybody else, you know, at that point, maybe you trust still yourself to then, and you have the most knowledge about, you know, your loops. And then maybe you can even solve it yourself to some yeah. extent and then get some help. Um, I just think like just how, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum enabled all these different worlds and all these new use cases. Um, neuroscience has had a lot of scientific progress, but like it doesn't have the same type of like funding and it doesn't, same, doesn't have the same type of like structure where like, you know, funding could be way better and like people could explore all this different thing. And so if we had a brain computer network that would collectively invest and like share data and like, you know, sort of pursue these things, um, that would be kind of amazing because like we couldn't even imagine what's possible yet. Um, and it's kind of amazing that that's even like happening now, you know, that like uh, we can create a multi-reality sort of species. Right. And we already have the basis with lucid dreaming and it's a science. So It just dawned on me that much like, you know, we have uh, DAOs and much like we have NFTs and, and people that are exploring blockchains to break away the music industry, people are breaking away from the traditional uh, avenues of fun funding and research, that's where the blockchain comes in, I think. I think you present this, this is, by the way, enthralling to me, like you're amazing, I want to thank you for sharing what you're sharing, but at the same time, 
like welcome to crypto because now if the community hears enough of what you're saying and the community by and large is what I mean is crypto people that understand what blockchains can really, 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 really do. You can circumvent that whole pharma industry, the whole medical field, all of that. The, the industry will say, yeah, he's right, he's smart, let's get behind him. And you might just in 30 days have enough of what you need to, to, to move forward. You know, it's good. amazing. Man. So what do you think, if you had to look into the future a little bit, what's what's your, what, what's the, in, in your opinion, like your your ultimate, what would be the, the greatest, the most satisfying and fulfilling thing for you to, to have happen in one year from now with network? It's a tough question, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like uh, being able to download this vision of virtual dreams into reality and into the present day and have more people believe this and actually um, be part of this so there's more momentum and there's more network effects so then we can actually realize all these things together because it's really not up to me to decide the direction like I'm just like setting the foundation and then it's up to all of us to do this and hopefully like um, you know within a year's time there'll be more momentum and more progress uh, around that I'm gonna open it up for questions in a minute but um, is there a website is there is there anywhere people can go right now to learn a little bit more about it Learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, you have to go to the metaverse to learn about it. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, there's a network.foundation, and there's like, it's like kind of a directory, and there's certain things you can like browse through from there. Um, so just network.foundation, from there you can join the community, uh, Telegram, Discord. Um, there's a white paper, and there's other things, you know. Yeah, man, there. thank you. Anybody have any questions? Okay. And then, uh, thank you. So the question is, how would you see the unconscious mind playing into that? And also, part of that question was, how do you control that? I don't know if that... If... Um, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it's just, um, I think the network could basically provide more access, or, you know, all these technologies, um, they could provide more access to the unconscious. I mean, lucid dreaming, if you're able to practice that, is sort of like the nighttime version of meditation. And if you're able to access that on a regular basis, you can go into, you know, exploring your unconscious. Um, and I think as a society, we don't really have access to the unconscious because most people, you know, are not lucid dreamers. Um, and so I think hopefully with neural interfaces, we can give people more access to these kind of unconscious experiences that we all have. And then it's up to like people to determine what that means to them. I guess it's very personal, um, you know, and then other people could come up with like, um, different patterns that they see, but, you know, um, I'm just like figuring out, okay, how can we get more access to this? Or the lucid dreaming community as well, they're trying to build different like sleeping masks with technology to give people more access to lucid dreaming. I mean, the metaverse is also like some version of that. So I guess it's just like, how can we, the next screen is basically inside the, the experience, you know? Uh, and, you know, we're starting to like realize that and we're starting to go into that sort of like, 
imagine in the future at the Metropolitan Museum, you go there and you use a neural interface and you go into the painting and you have some experience that the, the artist has created right. and just instead of just looking at the painting, you're inside the painting and you're experiencing the world of the artist. Um, and so like, yeah, I, I suppose like, just we're building bridges towards the unconscious. Um, it's about then, healing and understanding and growing, yeah. Sir? The logistics of it. He's asking, what's the hardware and the product behind it? Um, yeah, I mean, on the protocol level, it's to create, you know, a cryptographic medium between brains and computers in the form of virtual dreams, um, so that in the future, when these neural interfaces exist, you know, then you, you know that you can use sort of like dreams in, the, in an open and permissionless manner. Now, you know, there could be other ways to like sort of like capitalize on the network as this technology exists you know to help people to create experiences that would you know have some healing properties or help people to like uh, do that I mean because all of this is so early like it's also just building that network and then figuring out what kind of like you, you sort of like the how the product emerges from building the community like, you know I mean all these things are very early like you know crypto still is also very early right. so it's like you know I think the innovation is to create dreams as a medium like film and music right um, that doesn't exist right now uh, and then building a network to enable that in whatever way and making sure that those principles are basically embodied, you know, in that technology. Um, it's not about me to like, you know, build a specific implementation of the technology. It's about creating a network that sort of like, you know, has that momentum and, you know, incentivizes people to like to build different implementations towards that vision. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Somebody had a background? It's hard for me to imagine that we have the experience of going into the metaverse and we'll be able to play with gravity and change form and then come back to this world and not be able to access new parts of our mind. And it just sounds really aligned with what you're talking about. Like, I am imagining the metaverse to sort of be quite lucid dream. What do you think about that? So the question is more about how do I imagine the metaverse versus like lucid dream? And, and also she said she, she envisions going to the metaverse and playing around with gravity and different things and how does that affect your brain when you come back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. Yeah, take a minute. I can do some Jeopardy music while you think of an answer. <laughs> it's a deep question. It's really good. Yeah, I mean, generally I think, and I don't know if that answers your question, but generally I think you're able to bring certain insights back, you know, obviously like, um, you know, lucid dreaming experience or metaverse experience will have certain different properties than, you know, this, this reality and, you know, there will always be a difference. Um, but maybe the question is also about, like, are you able to bring back those insights, you know, from the metaverse or from, from a lucid dream? And you can. I mean, like, you know, there's been enough lucid dreamers that reported, you know, around, like, you know, different things that they could be able to learn or different fears that they were able to face. Um, yeah. Right. So... So it's feasible and it's not too, it's not too, it's not. It's and I think, yeah, it's just like sort of like this, there will be sort of this two-way feedback loop reflexively to influence like this reality and this reality. And then it will question, it will make you question, you know, sort of like what reality, what is reality? You know, maybe it's all just a dream. And like, it will sort of like question, 
you know, you question a lot of things in, in, in both worlds, I guess. Um, and then it will be like an ongoing thing. Um, and then at some point, they will like seem maybe more similar, you know, but there will still be differences. Start to coalesce. Yeah. Uh, somebody else? Sir? Yes. Interverse. Copyright that. Interverse. Yeah, interverse is also a good way of saying that. Yeah. This will obviously happen in stages, and like all of this is very early, and it won't, you know, be able to like give you the experiences like inception right away. Um, and this will happen over time. Um, yeah, I mean, universe, I think, is a good word. In some ways, I'm trying to stay away from like metaverse or anything verse related um, because just to make it more distinguished. But I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what we call it. You know, it's really just like I think it's really dreams, what it is, and dreams of mean different things to different people, but everyone knows what a dream is. Um, we have another yeah. question here. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to get to you. Were there any very specific type of like, medicinal uh, psychedelics that like, research might have informed your programming? Part one, and then part two, can you talk a little bit about dream ownership? Yeah, so the question was, were there hallucinogenics involved that not that you use them, but they were you were inspired by the idea of hallucinogenics. And then dream ownership. I'm buying his first NFT, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I'll try to speak about it more generally. Um, I mean, a psychedelic is sort of like, like a lucid dream without the virtual reality aspect, right? And the advantage of a psychedelic is that you can take it with someone uh, that can guide you during the experience uh, to face those fears or process certain things. In a way, it's difficult in a lucid dream because you know shared lucid dreaming is just very, very hard. Um, maybe not even some people not possible. It's not possible. Um, and so I think like those properties of psychedelics are very powerful. Um, and I think that's why also like there's way more investments going into psychedelics and this renaissance is happening within psychedelics right. um, because it, it has those properties um, and it could be used in that way. Um, and there's a lot of investments going into how we can create a psychedelic experience that could help people, you know, heal from certain things. Um, you know, lucid dreaming is sort of like a more virtual reality experience of a, um, of a psychedelic. Um, and also I think it's, in a way, it's safer. Um, because like right now, psychedelics are not really legal in most places and you have to trust the person giving you, like, it's like, and then you cannot really talk about it. So it's like, you know, if you had some, I think safety is very important because like, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're going to be in this very vulnerable state, like you want to make sure it's very safe, so then you have the confidence right. to like face those fears and process those things. And to, and to that point, you were talking about dream, dream ownership. Right. I mean, that's just like, I mean, I think it's a certain, it's very important, you know, as we build the metaverse, and there's a lot of people in the NFT community who also talk about the open metaverse. It's just important, you know, dreams, it's just like what I'm specifically working on, but it's just very important that sort of like that data is like open and permissionless and that you sort of have ownership over that. I mean, it's sort of like, 
you know, what Web3 or Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever you want to call it's it. Like you min- it's like you mint a dream. It's your dream, you minted it, and you have to have the seed phrase for your own dream. Yeah, but you also want to, you, you want to, you, want to, you need to have cryptographic guarantees that as you enter into a virtual dream or a metaverse experience, that like nobody can just like incept your dream, you know? And like yeah. um, nobody can just listen onto your, into, like, on your dream without your permission. I've know? never needed to drink more than on um, Crypto Monday than right now, but one more question. <laughs> Drawbacks, right? What are the drawbacks? And then we'll wrap it up after this. All right, yes, sir. One more after this. Any other questions? Um, Any other questions? Let's just do it. All right. So the question was: as long as you guys are cool, cool with it, we're good. We're good with it, right? Yeah. You can hang out a little bit and ask questions. We're good, right? So the question is about the drawbacks of what particular? Just drawbacks in general. What do you think some of the drawbacks might be, and what are you doing to prevent them? The techno- technological drawbacks. What might be the tra- like owning your own dream and? Um, yeah, I mean. I, in some ways, I already talked about this. Yeah, it feels you know, like it feels like you did it. But like, I think like to like re- re- reiterate, I guess. Um, Be careful. <laughs> Own your stuff and watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's just very important yeah. that we build this future in a mindful way, uh, and that we make sure that the power is returned to the individual, and like that all of us sort of like um, control this, and that it's not a small set of actors. That are determining the direction of this, right. and that's sort of that you know the access to that data is like open and permissionless, um, and then we that we also use it you know for for helping people to heal themselves instead of just for you know entertainment purposes. Right. Like, nothing wrong with that, you know. I mean, you can use that like yes, and have yeah. also fun. Like, ultimately, ultimately, what you're talking what you're yeah. talking about the the idea and the concept, the mindset behind it is so positive and so good that it should carry you through. You'll get your moments where people are trying to do X, Y, Z, steal stuff, and right, and take people's dreams and thoughts, but ultimately the foundation is 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 morally right. Right, I mean in 2020, nobody really talked about the metaverse, and then no, all of a sudden right. 2021, exactly you know, right. all these things happen, and everyone already talks about this, like, uh, sort of like the, you know, the metaverse. Yeah, because, yeah. And it's like enough people, in some ways, I feel like it's already happening. I don't need to work on this because it's already happening. Like there's enough capital like going towards this. So like, but I think what needs to happen is that we come back to reality and that we build this in a way that actually help people to like heal themselves. And that's why I think this mental model of virtual dreams is good because it's, it's what I'm working on is the motivation is not just to like get people into the metaverse. I said this before, but also bring them back into reality right. um, or bring yourself into reality. And like, you know, you, you know yourself best. Um, and so like you can do, probably do that yourself or you can, you know, have access to help. Um, and like, I'm not against like, you know, I mean, psychedelics are great. You know, if the pharma industry helps also a lot of people coping. I mean, all these things like the metaverse is also great. It's just, I think, you know, what, what distinguishes this from everything else? And it is, I think, virtual dreams and creating dreams as a sort of like new medium. And, you know, with that purpose of not just going into alternative reality, but also like coming back and, you know, coming back with more freedom. And that's what this country is about. Um, I think, you know, freedom is a very strong, like, Supposedly, principle. Right. I think yeah. everyone sort of like agrees with. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we could have more freedom, you know, and I think we can get it ourselves if we just look more inward. Um, and that's the basis of it. Right? And I think, yeah, the, yeah, and the technology has the potential to do that. And so hopefully a drawback would be if we just like get so obsessed about 
being in the metaverse that we forget about like reality ultimately is better really than the metaverse, you know? It's just because we're not paying attention and we're just asleep to it. Like, you know what? I mean, otherwise everybody would be lucid dreaming. But the reality is people go to sleep and they have delusional dreams and they don't even know what's going on and they're sort of like being you know, watching the dream, I'm not sure what's going on. Sometimes I go to sleep and dream that I'm Lance Thomas, who happens to be here tonight, and has a question. Mr. Thomas, is that a segue? Is that a segue? All right. No consequences. It was the first time where you actually had the journey in it, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are very scared of who they are. <laughs> a lot of people don't even like to look in the mirror, right? Let alone look inside and see all the stuff that they've brushed under the carpet for years, right? So there is, like, I, I want to answer some of the questions I heard because I can, I can definitely relate to a lot of it. Lucid dreaming and the metaverse are two completely different things. Right. Lucid dreaming is getting up to lucid dreaming is you being more wave and less matter, right? So like a lot of these people who yearn for these things, they go for it going into it with a psychedelic approach, right? Like for instance, like most people will either do ayahuasca, they might do mushrooms, right? But little do they know that you can get to these altered states of reality eternally, right? Like the active component in LSD, the active component in ayahuasca, DMT, we naturally can create them. Right. And people don't even know that we have in our pineal gland. It just sparks it. Ayahuasca and LSD just sparks We have calcite in our pineal gland, which helps change the chemical component of our serotonin. Serotonin wakes us up, turns into melatonin when it's time to go to sleep. Right. The spinal fluid that we push straight up like through deep meditation, when you do that, the pressure that goes around the pineal gland with the pressure of the calcite crystals in there changes the chemical uh, component of the melatonin, which turns it into DMT. Yeah, so, so we have it in us. takes you to these altered states of reality. People who lucid dream naturally get there. That space is called the quantum, right? So this technology is going to be able to help you bring, literally download thoughts. It's, it's, it's incredible, right? The quantum here. Yeah. You know? psychedelic phase is people starting to realize that they are starting to wake up the more dormant parts of our brain. We only use anywhere between five to ten percent of our brain anyway. Right? right. So when you when you venture to these alternate states, right, like I've been there plenty of times. I know how to get there. I sit I can sit here for ten minutes, fifteen minutes, I could probably get there. Is that right? From just practicing, knowing how to control Wait till the end of the night, please. But but not like I said, a lot of people don't really understand right. It's way more important. The it's deep. The metaverse for distraction. A lot of people are going to the metaverse to be something and then they come back and they still have those traumas because all they're doing is being distracted from what's really happening on the website. That's exactly so what he said. Dreaming is very important. It is. I think that people need to get more in touch with who they are on the inside because you shouldn't be looking out before you look in. Know who you are. That way everything in front of you is an opportunity. It's like in the quantum. Everything is an opportunity. Look at it. You gotta go up here with attention.
Thank you, man. Thank you. Did you hear that question as well? But isn't that kind of exactly yeah. what you said? Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. You guys are the, you guys should switch business cards. Um, <laughs> go ahead, brother. Thank you, man. Sorry, man. Yeah, great. Great remarks, man. No. <laughs> Can you summarize that a little bit? He was just saying lucid dreaming has enormous value and it goes beyond the metaverse. Uh, and people are realizing that now, and we should just tap more into this. Um, and that I'm genius. <laughs> Essentially, what he's saying is that we have the ability to do what he's talking about. We don't need the human body is capable of producing DMT, and you can get there without uh, LSD, Hiawatha, mushrooms. You could do it. And if you know how to do it, if you study it, it, you can get there. So this just accelerates that. Yeah, and I think that's an important point, actually, what he said is like lucid dreaming you can generate yourself without taking any substance whatsoever like you were able to like by just by sheer realization while you were asleep you can get lucid um and i think that's very important because we're so conditioned to like oh i need to take something to feel better or i need to take something to have a certain state of mind um and in some ways the metaverse is about obtaining certain states of mind um you know in buddhism they have certain jhanas but like ultimately you know it's about freedom it's about not being stuck in a particular state where you feel good about it. So it's actually like you know realizing you're in prison and then making sure that you get out of it and become free uh, and it's very difficult and it's a long journey so really it's just like how can we build more technology to give people more access to this and then have like enable them to have support from other people to actually like you know make that journey you know easier and more helpful and like so actually more people can be free because then they can actually follow their dreams and do whatever they want to do and be happier and we can have a more peaceful world and I think that should be like it's very important like you know because like we have come so far like we just don't know make we need to make sure that we don't destroy ourselves you know and like that is super important and like it's for that we need to raise our levels of consciousness and each other and like it's like it's not important how fast we go towards something but that we also go with certain like you know ethics and principles that are sort of embedded in in, in what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm sorry, brother. I know you're in the middle of asking question. Uh, yeah. So, how do you see issues about if one person can experience the other? Like, if their backgrounds are different languages, uh, say English, but then, like, another user tends to be German, they're going to be, like, that's created? Or. You want to get this one? Google point, Translate. No, but what do you think about that? That's a, that's a, so, the question is, like, if in the future there's a, a shared virtual dream and then people with different languages are going to be in the same dream, how they're going to communicate. Um, I mean, part of it is like, um, there's this great article by uh, Wade, but, Wade, but, yeah, what's it called? Um, anyway, there's a great article um, which talks about like, you know, I mean, essentially also Elon Musk talks about this basically, that language is not going to be obsolete, but like, we're going to have different ways of communicating basically, like, you know? And so I think like, at that point, people would then, communicate in a different way that maybe we can't even imagine yet. Um, like, you know. Like emojis? Yeah. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> emojis, yeah, yeah. That's my contribution to the um, conversation. So yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen naturally as we have brain-computer interfaces. Like, we'll have essentially like new communication levels, like a new language, um, which is like groundbreaking in itself, right? Um, yeah, so I would imagine that, you know, there'll be ways to communicate that we can't even conceive of yet. Um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Link Daniel, Crypto Mondays. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's just crypto. Yeah, it's just crypto. 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 It's just cr
<laughs> yeah, the article is in the lab. The article is wait, but why? Uh, you know, it's like um, it's basically a Neuralink and brain computer interface. It's a really long essay, um, which is really cool. And there they talk also about like how we're going to have new languages. Uh, there's so much to this. Like it's kind of amazing. Like just to think about it. Yeah. Uh, and we're so early to this. You know. Um, you're going to stick yes. around, right? Yeah, if anyone has any questions. You want to talk about it? Link, he's going to be here. If you want to talk to me about stuff that happened in Brooklyn last night, I'm here too. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> wow.